What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here with Silver and Black Pride. The Raiders are looking to bounce for a bounce back week against the Cardinals this Sunday. So for our Behind Enemy Lines podcast this week, I have with me Blake Murphy from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds. Blake, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Hey, Matt, doing well. It's good to be able to talk with you. Raiders, Cardinals, we don't play each other as often as it seems like that it used to be back in the day, but with the AFC West opponents this year, with the new 17-game schedule, just seems like that there's going to be probably a little bit more of that Las Vegas to Phoenix connection coming up. It's, uh, it's a pretty easy drive compared to most NFL teams, so uh, it's nice to be able to be on. Yeah, definitely. A little battle of the deserts here. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, the... Um, it's funny, at least because I remember you think of how many different places the Raiders have been. Cardinals have the same history going from Chicago to St. Yeah. Louis and now to Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a uh, funny how they all come full circle like that. Awesome. Well, I always start these off by talking about the team in general. And after a rough week one for the Cardinals, how are you feeling about the team and what are your expectations for this season? So I think a lot of people came into this season expecting the Cardinals were going to lose some things on offense. They're going to lose some pieces on defense as well. The offense, it seems like they've been able to replace somewhat, but just a couple of like crazy stats from week one. So I know Raiders fans, you guys are completely, you know, used to Patrick Mahomes. This is a guy the Cardinals, (laughs) you know, did not trade up for when they wanted a quarterback in the 2017 draft. They got his coach but they haven't really gotten him. And as a result, you look at, they gave up about five touchdowns, 360 passing yards, about 488 total offensive yards, five touchdowns, zero sacks, zero interceptions. They had one turnover. Uh, They were able to force a fumble. They went three and out on, I think they may have gone for fourth and two. I believe they may have tried to go a little further. At least that play went dead at 20 to seven. And when the chiefs went down in the second half and were able to essentially score and were not really stopped at all in the game, it was pretty much the worst Cardinals loss that we've <laughs> seen. in maybe some people said not quite decades, uh, 2005, they lost by 23 points to the giants in their season opener 2018. They lose 24 to six to the, uh, I believe it was the Detroit. No, it wasn't the Detroit Lions. It was the Washington at the time Redskins, now Washington Commanders. Uh, they've really just have had not really the same struggles under Cliff Kingsbury, at least since the first three quarters of that game against the Lions in the opening weeks. This team struggled massively against a Chiefs team that looked ready to play. So you think it's more like a week one thing last week, or is it? Or is that kind of like, do you feel like that's a, a bad omen for the rest of the season? I think there's a little bit of both because you look at what the Cardinals did with their snap count. And before the game, they announced and said, JJ Watts not going to play because they want to kind of save him for what's a long season. You heard Mm -hmm. there's some players who are practicing, but not playing. They did lose Rondale Moore, their second round pick last year uh, to a hamstring injury late in the week. Um, Undrafted free agent, Greg Dorch filled his spot and actually played pretty well, but you felt like when they got down to their third string guard because of guys in the IR, no JJ Watt, they only had, I believe two cornerbacks, three totally healthy. Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker was a slot corner the entire game. It almost felt like going into the game that the team was kind of just going to wave the white flag a bit, as far as like, there's no way we're going to be able to keep up with the chiefs. You wondered if they were going to play as hard and especially the game plan, you know, if they're going to blitz Patrick Mahomes as often as they did and expect to get results, that's, that's not a way to win. Now, if you blitz to say, Hey, we've got a young defense, a bunch of guys who are backups and they were not really going to compete. And we haven't played anyone in the preseason. 
I think there's maybe a little bit of that where perhaps you end up seeing a different and less vanilla Cardinals team this week, but that defense at least is still pretty scary to be able to get blitzes that often, not get home, obviously losing a player to the Raiders this offseason, who was a big part of their defense. You really feels like that the Cardinals, for the most part, their defense came in and we thought it was going to be bad. We had questions about the corners and pass rush. And those so far at least have come to fruition. And it doesn't seem like that there's going to be at least not anytime soon, any addressing of it for the most part, even if there's some improvement in the weeks to come. Gotcha. Moving on to uh, Kyler Murray. And I want to talk about his big contract because I know he got a big payday to the tune of $230 million. Do you think he's quote unquote earned that deal? And how confident are you feel that you, how confident are you that he'll live up to that massive deal? Well, I think a lot of it with quarterbacks is you look at like where he came into the league, the big time throws, the ability, how the Cardinals offense is turned around. I think the question obviously is going to be when you're saying living up to that contract, it's like the going rate for what is considered a franchise quarterback is pretty high. Like I watched Jalen Hurts play with the Eagles and you can say, hey, he's probably not going to be in that high tier, high level uh, room of quarterbacks. But is he going to probably get that Dak Prescott type of deal where he's going to be making some $40 million a year because he, you got a quarterback who can go out there and make plays with his arm and legs and win games. Someone's going to pay them. If the Cardinals hadn't, then I know that someone else probably would have given up picks or something like that for Murray. And there still is a lot of potential there. I do wonder if the Cardinals had decided to wait on paying everyone because they extended not just Kyler Murray, but they extended Cliff Kingsbury and their general manager, Steve Kime, through the 2027 offseason. So it was kind of after you extended the GM and the head coach, it's like, if you're not going to extend the quarterback, that's kind of kind of be a problem. So I think the question is more of, did the Cardinals with Kyler, Cliff, and Kime experiment, was that something that was, hey, you're sold on that team that started 10-2, and two, or should they have waited a bit after that slide? And so far to start this year, you can say, hey, Murray, at least, you know, there was a bit more on the sideline. People can question, is he going to step up with maturity as a leader? How is that team going to look? Uh, they did have the most points of any NFC West team that scored. They didn't really <laughs> give up on the game. They didn't pull him out for the most part, but it was still against garbage time. And he was not able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, which is obviously part of why you pay a quarterback like that. So I think the thing that you look at it for the most part is, I think he's kind of in there's this mid-tier level of not the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's, maybe now a Justin Herbert, unfortunately, for the FC West. He seems to be at least kind of one of those guys. But if you're looking at kind of what Russell Wilson is now, maybe that Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, if that's all that Kyla Murray turns out to be, then it still is going to be a success for a Cardinals team that has been bereft at the quarterback position. You just would hope that he could take that next step into obviously being, you know, a top five to seven quarterback in the game and for the most part at least maybe we'll see that later this season when they get DeAndre Hopkins back but we didn't see it on Sunday so one thing you kind of brought up in your in your uh, speech there was you talked about Kyler Murray's immaturity and all that kind of stuff and that's kind of been brought to the attention recently so I do kind of want to bring up the whole film study deal which I'm sure yeah. you've uh, I'm sure you probably are tired of talking about at this point I know they've since removed that clause from his contract but I feel like it does say something about Kyler Murray's work ethic, or at least what they think about it, the fact that they had it in there in the first place. So I'm curious if if you've ever noticed him being underprepared or if that's ever really affected him on the field. Yeah, it seems like that it hasn't affected him on the field. And I know a lot of the stuff with the work ethic, the film clause, a lot of those I know kind of came from 
a few different places. One, of course, is the fact that he is a gamer. Like I know there's an article that went out viral mm-hmm. about how like in Call of Duty weekends or something that it went downhill, which was funny because it was time the same time Arizona's offense went downhill. But it was also the same time that almost all of the Cliff Kingsbury offenses going back to Texas Tech would kind of go downhill as well. So unless Cliff Kingsbury is gaming with him, which we, <laughs> we, we know that's not the case, um, that's always been one of the things that's talked about. And a lot came from a New York Times article where Murray talked about how he's like, oh, I don't kill myself watching film. You know, I do at least and can visualize see it talking about his talent. I think that maybe some of that was twisted as far as the time frame, because when we found out about this contract, the first thing that came out about it when it did hit was that the general manager and the head coach both said, uh, yeah, the owner put that in. So imagine if you're getting paid, you know, by this, you know, NFL billionaire owner, and you are so quick to throw him under the bus that it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, if he gets upset or sad, you just know I cannot be tied to this. It's a bad look. I do wonder if some of it was ownership was wanting and maybe read some of the articles, maybe the press clippings, maybe the perception, because I can say if the coach had definitely agreed and said nothing or didn't, maybe, you know, oh, maybe the coach knows if he's watching film on his iPad, knows if that's going on. We haven't heard anything as far as for some of those. In fact, Kingsbury's loved the kids since, you know, he was a high school player and then tried to recruit him again in college, partially because he felt like he had a great work ethic. Uh, It was a lot of what we heard coming into the league was that he had a better work ethic than the previous Cardinals quarterback, Josh Rosen. And that was one of the reasons why the Cardinals were able to move on to Murray was because they didn't feel like that Rosen was, you know, a football type of guy. So I've heard a couple areas about it with the ownership, others. I haven't had as many concerns, but obviously, like you said, if you have to have it in the contract, it does at least show that there's definitely something that's off is there's definitely a bit of drama. The one thing that makes the most sense, I think was they said the owner may have proposed say 10 hours of film study a week extra, maybe 12 additional hours of his own time. Agent negotiates it down to four where it's like, come <laughs> on, that, that's a half hour a day. Like, you know, there's nothing over there for the most part. Most quarterbacks, you know, will watch like that much film right. at minimum. And we've seen Kyler Murray improve. Like what I even told people was if you look and think about it, if he's been doing all of this and doesn't watch film, then like he's about to like a super saiyan once he starts being like forced to watch film. So I don't think that it was as much, but what I think that you're right, that it does show is this is a Cardinals team that has struggled within the organization, within the draft. They struggled with this quarterback who, you know, on a Super Bowl Sunday, they sent out a tweet kind of blaming him, wanting some maturity from him to step up. And I think some of that's warranted, but like it almost felt like, hey, we're going to toss our quarterback under the buses after this terrible collapse that we've had for the most part it's not our fault and it really does kind of make you think could some of this cardinal season be related to a lot of that drama over the summer through one game we can pretty much say that it seems that some of that at least for the most part has bled in we'll have to see if it affects the season as a whole so i do want to ask you one football question about kyler murray and i think what makes him unique or what does make him unique about as a quarterback are his legs which can impact how pass rushers play against him so i'm curious um, how have you noticed like, uh, you know, Murray's being able to scramble and, you know, evade tackles. How has that affected how, you know, teams have to play against them, especially with, you know, a couple of really good pass rushers coming up in Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Right. No, that's a great question. A lot of what it does for the most part is, and this is what the read option choices is, is it allows the Cardinals to essentially with how Cliff Kingsbury's offense works is they'll have kind of these power runs where they have different formations. So like you might see a tight end take on a fullback type of role. Um, there's other times where you'll be able to see, um, you know, wide receiver kind of come in and 
be able to take in some of that running back role, kind of like how Rondale Moore did last year. So what you're thinking is, okay, you've got your running back in to protect. You're throwing a short pass to a receiver who then you now have a linebacker that's, you know, on a four, three receiver. So now all of a sudden you've got that quarterback who runs, you know, in the low on the, I should say low four threes, high four twos who can get the edge and run around. It really keeps you on your toes. The Cardinals had a play where, Last week, they hammered the ball up the middle with James Conner on the next play. They kind of faked it for the most part, like it was going to be a run to Conner. And Murray tucked the ball and ran right up a hole that had been created in the middle with James Conner blocking the one man that was there. Scrambles for about 12 to 15 yards. And all of a sudden, you try to clog the middle of the lane for Kyler Murray. He can get you around the edge with his legs. You start to bring safeties down into the box to be able to help with Arizona's running game. And that's when then you'll see that arm go off. So part of the offense of how they've designed it is trying to take advantage of those. I do think that they could run him a bit more. But as we've seen, of course, in some games and even times in the past, he missed three games last year due to an ankle injury. He was running at the end of the Packers game, got tackled from behind and had a high ankle sprain. So that is one of the areas of that. He may be a guy who can run away, but it's not like you're talking about, you know, a Josh Allen or a Cam Newton who can absorb a lot of punishment. Uh, he's a guy who will sit down at times if there's not the right read option <laughs> there. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see Chandler, especially going up against, you know, the quarterback that he ended up overseeing and went up against in practice for at least a couple of years. And I think that the overall team puts a stress, but we'll have to see at least how it works out for the most part, because that pass protection it ended up being all right, but it wasn't really great on Sunday for the Cardinals. And I know that that's the same could be said for the Raiders too, with watching how their pass rush, at least uh, the chargers, I should say, got to Derek Carr. You might have it easier this week. Arizona had zero <laughs> sacks. So we'll see who ends up winning that battle. If you know, the more athletic Murray is able to kind of neutralize, you know, that Raiders pass rush. Gotcha. Moving on to the offensive weapons, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be suspended, obviously won't be playing on Sunday. So I'm curious who's going to be or who's the guy that's going to step up and fill that wide receiver one role for the Cardinals. Yeah, I think it's going to be a plethora of guys that are going to do it. What I've felt like the Cardinals have needed to do is run the ball better and more effectively using more tight end looks. We didn't see that week one against Kansas City. Now, they had a bunch of injuries. Zach Ertz, the tight end they traded for last year from Philly. He had a major role in their offense last year. He got hurt and was kind of on a pitch count on Sunday. Didn't play as much. Did catch a two-point conversion. Uh, but that was near the end of the game when it had been all but decided. Uh, he's one of those guys that I think you'll see a bit more of this week since he was limited or didn't practice all week. And now he seems to be practicing fully. Um, you also have Kyler Murray's uh, kind of best friend or even gamer buddy in Marquise Brown. They would work out with each other all the time for the most part, at least and played together during college. Murray even said in the press conference today, he looked around the league at Justin Jefferson at Devonte Adams and said, Hey, like we should be giving Hollywood, like that level of targets to help replace Hopkins. They didn't target him a lot during that game. Some of that maybe is the game script. Um, they did target undrafted free agent Greg Dorch like a lot. So he <laughs> at least had been their kind of training camp MVP. You're talking about a guy who came into the league and beats out a second round pick from three years ago who ended up getting a spot, not just on the active roster, but like was starting over like other guys who had been over. So he had been a success story, but he came in to replace Rondale Moore, who's they had clearly planned a lot for in that slot role. And he got like, I think it was five or six catches, about 60 yards. But that was kind of it. They took a shot to AJ Green. They took a shot to Hollywood Brown that the, I think it was the 
Juan Thornhill, the chief safety caught up from, was able to deflect. They had a nice deep play to Hollywood, but other than that, there was just not a whole lot that they did as far as getting some of those receivers involved early. I think that we could see a shift this week where the Cardinals will attack and use Hollywood Brown a bit more. And if Zach Ertz ends up being healthier, I think that would be another player because right now you look at where the Cardinals would match up well. It would seem that those corners and linebackers would be big as well as if they can get Greg Dorch involved in some of that quick game um, just to kind of get some of the horizontal plays force, you know, guys to make a tackle in space. Cause that was where the Raiders seemed especially susceptible when playing the chargers last week, even though they got quite a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert. So you bring up one Rondell Moore. I know he's injured last week, but he was a guy that I really liked coming out of Purdue. I'm curious if he's expected to have an even bigger role in the offense this season. Yeah, he's supposed to at least, and what they talked about all offseason was the Christian Kirk role. There was even actually a couple of practices where you looked at how the Cardinals were doing a few different alignments where Moore moved into the X receiver role as an outside receiver, even talked about wanting to make that move in the offseason. And that meant DeAndre Hopkins had moved into the slot. We've seen AJ Green essentially stay as kind of that Y flanker type on the outside. He just hasn't moved. Maybe they move him a little into the slot, but close offense, as we've said, is like there's not as much of guys moving around, not as much motion. What they'll try to do is be able to essentially kind of spread teams out, run the ball effectively, and be able to kind of pick and choose, taking their shots. And then in case things get a bit stagnant, they'll kind of keep you on your toes with a huge Kyler Murray run just when you think you've kind of gotten them contained. All of a sudden, he's going to be able to take off for a big game, uh, kind of either out the back door of the defense or on the scramble where you can see at least where he's just got those little tiny, uh, what is it like Flintstones legs? It just kind <laughs> of running around uh, more at least is interesting because he's had hamstring issues since he was at Purdue. I would have loved to have seen him this year because um, that was one of the few things I think you were going into that chiefs game looking forward to is you'd have Hollywood Brown, at least on the outside Rondell Moore being in that slot. You got two guys who are speedsters and more, he's a very physical player. Like he'll try to break tackles like a running back. We called him kind of Debo light last year. He just never really played in a role where you got to see him as a receiver. Um, that was the way they got him on the field was, Hey, you're kind of our running back too, for the most part outside of chase Edmonds. And we're not going to give you these downfield routes. And he's only five, seven. So you'd have to get a lot of separation but we were having the expectation that he's going to get some deeper routes, at least kind of what Christian Kirk did a year ago. And so far we've kind of seen Greg Dorch take over some of that, but it's not the same as having a four, three guy running out of the slot. Definitely love, to not, see more, yeah. love to see more get back sometime soon. Hopefully he can actually have a healthy season. Definitely. I love talking about the trenches and the Cardinals do have a connection out uh, from the Raiders on the offensive line. And one of my favorite guys from the two thousands, Rodney Hudson, out of curiosity, more than anything, can you just tell us about how HUD's doing? Yeah, so the Cardinals, this is some of their drama that they had in the offseason, even revolved around Rodney Hudson because he did not show up to OTAs. And when asked about it, they said that it was an unexcused absence, which usually means something's going on. Uh, it seems very much like that Rodney was looking at potential retirement. Now, this is something that we're not unfamiliar with for Cardinals fans because we had the same exact situation happen with Larry Fitzgerald pretty much every year for like six years where <laughs> he just wouldn't want to go to OTAs and he would just take his time. He would travel. Those would always usually be excused absences, but it was also because, you know, it's a longtime Cardinal versus a newly right. acquired Hudson. Uh, 
it seems very much that the Cardinals in some ways were looking to at least add to the interior offensive line in the draft. We know that based on where their board was that they were considering either trading for Hollywood Brown or taking who the Ravens eventually took uh, the center, Tyler Linderbaum, because they weren't sure about Hudson. Now there's a possibility that maybe they were looking to add someone at least to maybe eventually replace Hudson. And that's part of the reason why there was some drama that happened. Um, he at least played well last year, the Cardinals, when he was healthy, I believe they won like 10 games to three losses, at least for the most part in games he played in, he was definitely a super valuable uh, part of their team. Uh, he hasn't at least played at the same high level that he did with the Raiders. It's been interesting thus far. He had one, it's some of the lowest, um, you know, graded O-line play if you subscribe to foot pro football focus that you can see, but the impact he had of recognizing blitzes was something that we saw immediately. Um, just, it was definitely a huge upgrade over uh, the young guys that they had before. And I hope that he's able to stay healthy and play well, but when you're a Cardinals team and you kind of hear that they were looking at a center in the first round and maybe would have taken Cam Jurgens in the second round, uh, the offensive center that the Eagles took a couple picks ahead of the Cardinals. That makes you wonder if maybe he's kind of nearing the end of some of his career, if the Cardinals are trying to at least prepare for some of that future. And you know, ultimately it's one of the places where, you know, Rodney's probably at least happy that he got with Arizona, got one last big deal and is able to be essentially like one of the stalwart members of the team. I believe he was a team captain, uh, if not last year, then for sure this year. And it's going to be an interesting kind of reunion because he's going to have former longtime, all-time Cardinal sack leader, Chandler Jones, on the other side of him. Yeah, I guess what, it is true what they say. Everyone moves to Arizona to retire, right? Yeah, and apparently Vegas now for uh, with Chandler Jones because a lot yeah. of Cardinals fans, uh, they were not too sad about letting him walk at the price, and I, I felt like it was a little different. I would have loved to have seen him kind of work it out with Chandler, but when you're looking at how Vegas got that new stadium, that new payday, they were able to uh, bring back Devontae Adams with Derek Carr for the first time since college, and in one hand probably maybe remove the Packers as a potential threat in the NFC for a lot of other teams. Uh, it kind of, I think there's a no brainer move to be able to go all in, especially just to kind of keep up and it's been a crazy AFC West this season. So keeping up with the, the kind of the retribution theme, you know, you brought up Chandler Jones, obviously, you know, him pretty well. I'm assuming, you know, a little bit about Max Crosby too. So heading into the game, who do you think has the advantage of, in, on the edges, the, the Raiders pass rushers or the Cardinals tackles? Yeah. Kelvin Beecham has been uh, kind of was not practicing this week. They've got a tackle in DJ Humphreys, who's 30, who's gone up against Chandler in practice multiple times. I think he may draw max. We'll have to see with Kelvin Beecham on the other side, as far as who would be able to have the advantage. I think really what it's going to come down to is it won't, the Cardinals will have to be able to run the ball effectively to be able to have any sort of success. And so it's almost a way of, Last year, they were one of the better rushing teams with Chase Edmonds and um, James Conner before they got hurt. Um, they even got to use Conner as a pass catcher on the screens. I think that if you get into a spot where, let's say that the Raiders take advantage of a bad Cardinals defense right now, um, you know, we'll see if the Cardinals can play former Raider Trayvon Mullen. It's kind of a couple of mm -hmm. revenge game situations popping up here. Uh, if they can take advantage of that secondary and get off to a lead, that is the worst thing for the Cardinals. If they have to abandon the run with Kyler's legs, a strong James Conner, what they need to succeed is to be able to run the ball effectively on that Raiders front. And that will then, I think, help protect Kyler Murray from some of those pass rushers, because as we've seen with Arizona, they're very good at being front runners. They've been able to kind of play catch up when they can run 
run the ball, but if they have to drop back and pass because they get down very far, that's been where we haven't seen the Cliff Kingsbury offense be able to adjust and catch back up in quite a few of these games. That's not what you want to have Arizona be in. It would be maybe not a feast for Jones and for uh, Crosby, but they would definitely have the advantage there. So uh, shifting gears a little bit to the other side of the ball, brought up Chandler Jones, obviously. Who is kind of stepping up and who is supposed to fill that role for the Cardinals? Uh, so they kind of had his longtime almost partner, Marcus Golden, who the Cardinals drafted in 2015, has taken over as the team's main edge rusher. Uh, he ended up having like apparently a freak accident in the weight room in early August and didn't get back until like about starting day. It did also happen to coincide where he got a new reworked contract uh, where he had been kind of under a two year, like $5 million type of deal with a lot of incentives. And to be your prime pass rusher coming off an 11 sack season, he was due to make like about one and a quarter million dollars, not a whole lot. The Cardinals really are spending the least amount of money on their defense of every team in the NFL, uh, which is interesting. So they've got like two $1 million pass rushers on either side were veterans, and they've got two third round picks. Uh, one of them, my Jay Sanders, who they received from the Ravens in the Hollywood Brown trade. He was probably the most impressive guy in the preseason. He showed at least a lot of um, kind of twitchiness, that quick burst, kind of similar to their former pass rusher, Hassan Reddick, if you want to kind of think of someone like that. Um, maybe a little bit of, I think the former, uh, I believe it was the former Seahawk had a first round pick that was signed by the Raiders a number of years ago in Bruce Irvin. There was a little bit of reminiscent from that, but as a third round pick and being a bit smaller, there's kind of been questions about how prepared some of these rookies have been. They did have third rounder Cam Thomas was active last week and my J Sanders was not. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but for the most part, as far as that pass rush has been like, they're basically a J.J. Watt type of defense as far as they can get enough from Golden and just enough from Kennard to get pressure. But as far as for sacks or having an effective pass rush, like if J.J. Watt does not play this week again, he didn't practice today. It's going to be, I think, very easy for the Raiders to be able to move the ball, not just through the air, but also on the ground as well. Because Arizona's first round picks at linebacker, they had one linebacker playing in the slot corner last week due to corner issues. Did not go well. So that's something that we'll be able to see what will go on in this week's game. Bring up JJ Watt and JJ Watt for, for full disclosure is one of my favorite non Raiders of all of the, of the last decade being a, being a former defensive lineman. I've always loved JJ, but some people have kind of claimed that even though he's been a little productive, he's kind of lost a step a little bit. I'm curious of what your assessment of JJ has been while he's in uh been in Arizona. Yeah, at first it seemed like it was interesting because you could see the presence that Watt had and it wasn't made on the stat sheet, but it was in lots of other ways. Like a good example would be you've got a couple of fourth down plays. They played in a game last year against Trey Lance um, taking over for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. And Watt blew up several plays in the middle of the field, was not only able to kind of uh, be there on some of those fourth down stops, but also was able to kind of penetrate upfield and forced enough attention that the other players, Arizona's linebackers had some holes to get through to make some of those tackles as well. Uh, he was really one of the better players from the interior. Uh, it was really interesting for the first like six weeks or so. It was essentially him and Aaron Donald as far as for producing and getting into the backfield were super high up. And then against this former team, the Texans, he's chasing after uh, their quarterback, um, Oh, gosh, at least it's uh, escaping me, at least here. for Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. That's the one. Davis Mills, yep. Uh, and he falls down and just 
basically dislocates his arm, dislocates his elbow. The whole arm just goes and he works his, you know, little hiney off or however you want to call it, at least for those to get back in time for the playoff game. Wasn't really able to be effective for each of those. You're just kind of glad he's able to play Uh, when he's in there. Things have been well, but it's obviously not quite the same J.J. Watt as it was in years past who may have 10 to 15 sacks or so and just completely blowing up games by himself. I think it is a place, though, where the way the Cardinals have built their defense, you want to have J.J. Watt on that line because he's still making plays. The issue has been he just has not been on the field and until he can get on the field, at least. The Cardinals you know, paid him quite a bit of money, hoping he'd be able to fill that impact defensive lineman role. And you can't really do that from the sideline, which has been unfortunate. So hopefully we'll see J.J. Watt back in action soon. It hasn't been trending as far as for positive steps just yet. So we'll have to see if he plays in time for the Raiders game, recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. The Cardinals have a couple of interesting linebackers in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, as they were known for being extremely versatile coming out of college. So how does Arizona been able to use them to maximize their talents in their defense? Well, that's been kind of the question, at least. It feels like that when they drafted those players, you wonder with these tweener hybrid linebacker types, you know, Isaiah Simmons played a tons of positions in college. Zayvon Collins played some on the edge, some in the linebacker spot at Tulsa and kind of a weird type of system. It wasn't your traditional four, three or three, four kind of for either player. So this year they've really tried to change at least a little bit of that to fit their players. Uh, Isaiah Simmons has been kind of playing in what they call the star backer role, which has been kind of, uh, he's been practicing with the safeties about one day a week or so, kind of as a hybrid safety, a bit more of a blitzer. Uh, He did play at slot uh, cornerback last week, and some of that may have just been because of the weakness that they had at corner. They really only had two healthy corners to the game, and they weren't even that healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. We do think that Trayvon Mullen, when he comes in, now he's been more of kind of a zone corner where he was at his best. We'll see if Arizona does more press. They've had struggles when they've moved to zone. Uh, Robert Alford was the player who was, despite being 32 and coming off of injury, probably their best cornerback overall last season, even though Byron Murphy got the interceptions. I think that Simmons was a poor fit last week. They kind of had him having to match up one-on-one with Travis Kelsey. And not only is that a problem for any defender, it's even worse when you're having to do it as a slot corner when that's not really your position of strength, even if you can play it. We'll see if the moving Murphy into the slot and if Mullen, who's been practicing, can play this week, that might help Isaiah Simmons be able to roam around a little bit versus kind of being stuck to that one role. Uh, But with Zayvon Collins, both of them have probably shown a lot of, I guess the best for a better term, uh, kind of a lack of ability, at least compared to some of the other veterans they've had. They just have not been able to kind of get on the field and be impressive compared to their draft status. Um, neither of them played very many snaps in last year's playoff game against the Rams. And this season, it was kind of all up to them. The Cardinals signed a, uh, another linebacker and Nick vigil from the Vikings to kind of take some of the load off of Zayvon Collins to move around. But you look at them on film and see there's still times their eyes aren't quite the right place, still kind of getting beat a little bit at the line. You're trying to figure out exactly what they are. And sometimes you feel like that there are guys who can play a multitude of roles and it's kind of that jack of all trades, master of none. In Arizona, it kind of feels like that they haven't really stuck them into one specific place to really excel at. So it's almost been kind of a jack of all trades, but 
not really mm -hmm. a jack of all trades either. So we'll see at least what happens this week. If that adjustment's made for Simmons Collins, at least he went from being not on the field last year to actually like being able to make some plays this year, being able to diagnose, but it still kind of feels like that. Maybe they're both at least, if not a year off, you're going to wonder at least how long is going to be that they're given to develop. Cause it's kind of on them this season, Arizona decided to neglect adding in high level pass rushers. They neglected adding cornerbacks, uh, they neglected even to add, you know, a player like a C.D. Lamb or a Tristan Wirfs back in 2020 because they're like, yeah, hey, we got DeAndre Hopkins. We don't, you know, need to add one of those players. And so far, uh, their defense has been kind of worse for it. So that's something to see, at least as far as for how that blitz package will look this week. Because that was one thing I'm pretty certain of is that while they've been having issues in coverage and against the run, uh, when they've been able to blitz, like that's been kind of their bread and butter. They're not edge rushers, but... They're very good at getting to the quarterback when that's their main assignment. Wrapping up with the defensive backs, Buda Baker has become one of the league's top safeties and earned a big payday not too long ago. Can you tell us what he brings to the Cardinals defense? Oh, man, Buda brings a lot. The biggest thing that he brings, at least, is this tenacity where he's able to play above what his small size is. Like, you'll see him kind of lay the wood, be able just to hit guys hard. Uh it's not quite, I think, the same coverage as someone like an Amik Robinson would have at that same size, but he's shown everything from being able to be a downfield type of like a free safety who on a deep pass or something like that would just be able to run in and knock the ball away with incredible closing speed uh, to being able to be solid against the run. He's probably the best tackler on the team. Um, and then even being able to be as a quarterback's worst nightmare, you know, the uh, he's most known, I think, for when he got that pick of Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf chased him <laughs> down. If you look at a guy who recognizes the play, does all of the film study, runs across the field, getting to the exact spot, knowing that that's exactly where the Seahawks are going to throw the ball to get that pick in the first place. Um, he's kind of the heart and soul of that defense for the most part, especially now with Chandler Jones gone and JJ Watt, um, you know, trying to get back onto the practice field. Um, uh, his kind of co-captain, I guess the Robin to his Batman, although, Maybe some of the comic book uh, nerds will kind of laugh at Robin. So maybe he'll say more of like a Nightwing to the Batman mm -hmm. uh, is his partner, Jalen Thompson, who the Cardinals did extend this offseason. He's been one of probably the most underrated safeties in the NFL. He was doing a lot of the same things that Baker was and was even doing it at a higher level in coverage. Uh, both of them can erase a lot of plays where you don't see a lot of big plays that the Cardinals give up. Uh, because those guys at least are so quick at their closing speed, so good with their tackling and recognition. Uh, John Thompson did not practice today. I mean, like the Cardinals, just when you look at them on Monday, they just had, you know, you almost kind of feel like they would have needed like another three or four mm -hmm. weeks in the preseason just because of the injuries. Two guys did not practice in, um, it would be Rodney Hudson and uh, I believe it was their right tackle uh kelvin beecham but both of those guys were listed as rest because of it's kind of veteran rest that they'll have for the most part so i don't think you should be too concerned about the offensive line what you can look at is jalen thompson's not practicing the cardinals are already very weak overall at the um at the cornerback position if jalen thompson misses time even if trayvon mullen's back you know if they have to have kind of that star linebacker in isaiah simmons playing more safety because thompson can't go and with the foot injury, that's going to be really hard. They also have had, obviously, Zach Ertz has been hurt, Rondell Moore. And their fourth uh, or fifth wide receiver, I should say, Andy Isabella, he's been covering in for normal wide receiver for Antoine Wesley, who got two touchdowns against the Cowboys last year for DeAndre Hopkins. He's been on IR to start the season. So if all things go where the Cardinals' current list is 
kind of even if Zach Ertz plays, they only have three wide receivers right now that are healthy. And that's going to be one of those places where, you know, if anything happens for the most part, the kind of is almost, hey, this Cardinals offensive line against the Raiders defensive line, Arizona's weapons against the Raiders secondary. Uh, there's definitely, I think, some room for the most part to be concerned, um, especially when Buda Baker had the most amount of tackles this week. So really going to come down to Arizona's going to have to go out there and establish a huge kind of physical type of play that essentially say, Hey, we know that we're going to be down. People are downing us. We have to go out and take it. I think Buddha Baker with that physicality and leadership is going to be a big part of that on Sunday. So in part of your answer, I think you kind of already answered my next question a little bit. Uh, Cause I was just going to mention, like, I felt like just looking at the rosters and the, the depth chart, the Raiders wide receivers should have no problem separating and getting open against the Cardinals defensive backs. And I was going to give you a chance to rebuttal, but you kind of already said it was a weak point. So is there anyone that maybe we should keep uh, keep an eye on? Or is there a matchup that you maybe think what might fa- tilt in the Cardinals' favor? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, at least for the most part, is, and this is kind of the keys of the games that I gave, is you look overall, maybe not even at the Raiders' receivers, but you look at Derek Carr. He turned the ball over three times this last week. Kyler Murray, despite being under duress from the Chiefs, uh, he ran around, was able to make plays, didn't turn the ball over at all. That was probably the only reason why Arizona even had a shot at the end of the half was just because he was able to not take too many negative plays, being able to keep Arizona despite having an offense that really struggled in a defense that was giving up stuff left and right. I think they're going to have to find ways to manufacture some of that pressure and try to take it away because what I at least told people said, Hey, like right now, if you look at what the chiefs did with, you know, guys like Juju and um, Nicole Hardman and their running game, you know, I think you're going to have to probably do the Calvin Johnson rule with Devonta Adams. You may have to put two guys on him at <laughs> least the whole game, cover him like that, because that's just kind of where you're at with your secondary right now. Um, I don't know if that's in Vance Joseph's blood to be able to do that. He just seems like he's kind of been a guy who will play like, you know, press man or soft zone. That's just a unique thing you have to do with your defense. And so I say you look at Devontae Adams because I think that he could go off. If he went off against a Chargers team that was missing J.C. Jackson, but is still probably a better secondary than what the Cardinals have, probably a better defense overall, he could feast at least this week. And so that's where Arizona is really going to have to figure out the best way to stop Devontae. Because uh, they've had struggles in the past against small slot receivers like a Cole Beasley. Uh, Hunter Renfro fits that mold. And even if Isaiah Simmons is able to match up well with Waller, like I just could see Devontae going and having a huge game against this secondary. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> hey, we'll see what goes on. That's the thing. The turnover game is what matters. I said if Devontae goes off at least for the most part, but Derek Carr throws, you know, another three interceptions, then that was kind of the game, at least I think for the Raiders last week. It's the way I think the Cardinals are going to have to go and try to attack this week at least. And hopefully their offense can pick it up a little bit from last week. And we could see uh, maybe a little bit of a shootout with some of these corner situations being where they were as Right now, you know, Arizona's getting Raider leftovers and the Raiders signing Jalen mm-hmm. Guidry, who I know was one of the Cardinals leftovers after an injury there. So we're uh, we're kind of having to pick up some of the scraps, at least from <laughs> some of these guys. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Facing each other on those sidelines. Hopefully it's going to be a heck of an entertaining game, to say the least. Lots of revenge games, that's for sure. Blake, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Real quick before you go, tell us where the, where people can find your work. Uh, you can find that at least at Revenge of the Birds. 
listening to the birds podcast that's the sb nation cardinals site um you find me on twitter at blake murphy seven as well uh mostly it's going to be like cardinals takes memes and just overall a lot at least of hope that we're going to see deandre hopkins back sooner than later because yeah so far since he's been out this cardinals team it just hasn't been the same gotcha Awesome. Well, you guys know where to find find me on Twitter, Adam Holder95. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next week, guys.